רבי 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 מבין זיך מקשה זין צודיר 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 הנני מקשה נפשי רוחי ומשמוסי הנני מקשה נפשי רוחי ומשמוסי לנשמע סדוני מוי לי ורבי Okay, good evening. Tonight's class was dedicated by Mrs. Leah Presser. This is Elizecha Nishmas, her father, Shlomo Zalman HaKoyen Ben Reb Tzvi Weiss, um, whose yard site, I think, was today. Today was the seventh... Uh, or the sixth day of, of, of Shvat. Um, well, I, know, I know it's definitely this week. May his neshama have a greater, great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May the Abish to channel down lots of brachas through your father to you for all that you need and all that you want, for much bracha mazel, and only, only revealed, revealed good. Thank you so much for that dedication. Another dedication tonight was by the Schwartz family. And this is in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Schwartz, our dear, dear friend, Reb Shlomo Schwartz, on upon his first yard site, which is going to be Matzah Shabbos, the Yud Bey's twelfth <coughs> day of Shvat. Um, may his holy, holy soul, Reb Shlomo's neshama, that has graced our community in Los Angeles, who has sparked the soul of countless of Jews. We can't even. There's no way to know. There's no way to count the endless impact that Shlomo, so belovedly known as Schwartzy, um, had in this world. Just, it's, it's indescribable how many Yidden he affected, how many he touched, how many people passed by his house that he doesn't even remember that were, a fire was ignited in their soul and connected to Yiddishkeit. So may his neshama have the greatest aliyah and may his wonderful wife Olivia and the children only, only have simcha and joy and happiness. And may they be reunited with our dear friend Reb Shloyma very, very, very soon. And, um, you know, Sheikh Schwartz, he's not the type of guy to go up there and just let things just be. He waited for Mashiach so deeply and so strongly, I'm sure he's going to do whatever it takes to bring about the end of the exile and the coming of Mashiach, may it happen now. Um, another dedication tonight was by our dear friends, Dr. Chaim and Batya Cohen. And they're dedicating the CD this week. And it is in honor of the great and auspicious day of Yud Shvat. Yud Shvat is the yard site of the previous Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak. Uh, may he be a tremendous merit for all the Jewish people and shine his light upon you, Reb Chaim, and your wife, 
and your entire mishpacha. It is also the day which is the, marks the first day, the anniversary when the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Menachem Mendel Schneerson, became the seventh Rebbe of Lubavitch, a year later after his father-in-law's passing. And this day is commemorated as a day of deep connection of chassidim to the Rebbe. So may this light of this holy tzaddik and of these tzaddikim shine upon the community and upon all the Jewish people to bring only bracha and good, good things and ultimately to bring about the Rebbe's desire, the Rebbe's um, entire life dedicated to bringing about the completion of the purpose of all of creation and the coming of Mashiach may it happen now. Okay. Thank you. So to this week is Parshas B'Shalach. And um, we're, it's exciting, Parsha. We read about the Jewish people's completely, <coughs> complete, completing their exodus from Mitzrayim. Last week they went out of Egypt this week. However, they're sandwiched between the Egyptians and the sea, and they're calling out to the Abishter and calling out to God. And Hashem performs the most spectacular miracle, tells Moshe Rabbeinu to raise his stick. Moshe raises his stick over the water, and the sea splits. And the Jewish people passed through the parted waters of the sea. And then the Egyptians come running after them into the split waters. You gotta wonder what were they thinking. But they went right back and they, God ensnared them to follow and incited and kind of, you know, clamped their their their, you know, made them lose their minds that they should follow the Jewish people into the into the sea. And the Jewish people came out. Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded by Hashem again to stretch out his hand over the water. And the waters came crashing down, drowning the entire Egyptian army. That's the story. And that's the end of Golos Mitzrayim. Then we read about the song the Jewish people sang with Moshe Rabbeinu, Az Yashir. And then we march on forward to receive the Torah. That is the story in Parshas Peshalach. As a... When the Torah is narrating that Moshe Rabbeinu um, stretched out his hand in order to, to split the sea in Perek Yud Dalit Pasuk Chav Aleph chapter 14 verse 21 it says Vayet Moshes Yadoy Moshes stretched out his hand Alayam over the sea and Hashem has a powerful eastern wind blowing the entire night Vayasem Esayam Lacharava and he makes the sea become dry land Vayubaku Amayim and the water splits so the Targum Yoinesen the Targum is one of the Targums. The Targum Yoinesen says as follows. Va'arkin Moshe yas al-yama. Moshe Rabbeinu stretched out his hand over the sea. Bechutre Rabba with his great staff. Okay, we all are familiar with Moshe Rabbeinu had a special stick, a staff, in which he performed all the miracles. And the, and the Targum Yoinesen says, the Izbre min sheiruya. It was created at twilight. The staff that Moshe Rabbeinu used to split the sea was created at, at twilight because we know there were a few things that the Abishter made Erev Shabbos as soon as creation was coming to an end and creation was, you know, the last seconds between, between the weekday and Shabbos. Hashem created all the things that were destined to be miracles in the world Hashem created during that special time, like it's discussed in Ethics of the Fathers in Pirkei Avos. So one of the things that was created during that time on the twilight zone of Shabbos was Moshe Rabbeinu's stick. So the Targum says, Moshe Rabbeinu waves his big, is that great staff 
that was created in that special time. And on the stick is engraved God's name, the great name of Hashem, the great precious name. In other words, on the staff was engraved the Yudke Vavke. Hashem is the tetragrammaton. God's name is engraved on the stick. And the names of the ten makas, the ten plagues. Since Moshe Rabbeinu used the stick to bring the plagues, so the ten plagues, Dam Tzvardeya, was also engraved on that staff. The Machayas Mitzrayim, which he beat the Egyptians. Vitlas Avos Alma, and the three fathers of the world, referring to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Vishis Imasa, and the six mothers of the Jewish people, which are Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, and Bila, and Zilpa, The six mothers of the Jewish people. Shifte the Yaakov, the Shvatim of Yaakov. And this is, so this is the stick. And it, and it describes how Moshe waved the stick, the staff. Now it's interesting because, you know, this, Moshe, this staff that um, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was waving now to split the Yamsuf is something that Moshe Rabbeinu used already from the beginning. When he came to Mitzrayim, Hashem tells him, take the stick with you. And then he, this is the one that first he threw it in front of Paro and it became into a snake. And it became back and it swallowed everybody else's. And then all the miracles that he did, so many of them, he used the stick. So this is an old, old stick that we've been talking about. Yet, the Targum Yonason doesn't tell us about the specialty of that stick until we get right over here to Kriyas Yamsuf. It's when the stick is going to be used almost for the last time. Now the stick was going to accompany Moshe Rabbeinu throughout the, the desert. With this stick is where he... He, he uh, brings water to the Jewish people. In the end, this stick is the one that cost him his life because he hits and he beats the rock at the end of the 40 years. So the stick is still going to be around for a while, but this is already midway in the, in the usage of this staff. And yet, the Targum Yonason doesn't tell us until now what was written on this staff or what was engraved. But over here, the, 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 the Targum translate, the Medrash tells us, Targum is a form of like Medrash, where the Targum translates and tells us about the enormity and the greatness of the staff, what was on the staff. So we need to understand why does the Targum wait till here, and he didn't tell us about the staff earlier in Shemois, and Vieira, in the earlier Parshas of Yetzirah Mitzrayim. So we have to say that the stick and this staff has a, a, a particular connection to Kriyas Yamsov. In other words, even though the staff was something that Moshe Rabbeinu used, uh, throughout the, all the Makis tool at this point, but it's specially connected, connected to the moment of Kriyas Yamsuf, and it's Dafka at this moment that we need to know what was on the staff by Kriyas Yamsuf. Until now, it's not important that all this was written on, the, all this was engraved on the staff. But over here is what we need to know this. So we need to understand what. What's the connection? Why now? What's the connection of the staff to the splitting of the sea? Why Dafka now? Uh, and, 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 and these details. Now let's take a look at the staff. What does it say? Now we understand it has God's name. We understand it has Hashem's name. That's the whole power. The power of the staff is not just a power, some power. It's not some magical staff. It's the power of God. So the Abishter's name engraved on the staff, the power. The ten markets, well, that's what the staff, one of the primary 
um, effects of the staff was to bring Paro and the Egyptians to their knees through all the various different plagues to bring about the Yadu Mitzrayim Kani Hashem that Egypt should know that I am God. So therefore, on the staff was written the ten makas because that's what the staff affected bringing the makas on Mitzrayim. We can understand that it has the fathers, the names of the fathers engraved because it's the, the staff that's used to do Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim for who? To destroy the Egyptians and to lead the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. So therefore, it has to have the power of the Jewish people. What's the power of the Jewish people? That's our fathers. So we have to have the merit of our fathers. And what else has to be on the staff? On the staff, we have our mothers too. Fathers and mothers. So therefore, we have the names of the Yemois on the staff. And, I, and, and lastly, it also has the names of the 12 Shvatim. The, the Targum says, And the names of all the Shvatim, Reuven, Shem, and Levi, they were all engraved on that staff. Quite a lot of engraving on the staff. Hashem's name, Ten Makis, the three fathers, the six mothers, 12 tribes. Now, I see everybody, every time I keep on mentioning six mothers, I see that there is a reaction in the room. The reason there is a reaction in the room is because we're not used to usually saying six mothers. We, the Jewish people, always were, were accustomed to know that we have four mothers. The, the sages actually say, you don't call fathers only three. The, the, in other words, only there's three. The Jewish people have three fathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And we have four mothers, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Now, we have two mothers that are like sub-mothers, which are Bila and Zilpah, which they are, they mothered four of the tribes. Yet, we usually don't refer to them when we speak about the, the merit of the Jewish people. We usually speak about three fathers and four mothers. Like the famous song, three are the fathers and four are the mothers. And right, So we have the three fathers and the four mothers. Why suddenly over here, on the staff, do we have all, was engraved, not only the four mothers, but all the six mothers, which is an interesting thing. And another thing is, the... The, uh, we have the fathers, the power of the Jewish people, the fathers and the mothers, but why does the staff also have the names of the Shvatim? The Shvatim, the tribes, the 12 sons of Yaakov, they were tzaddikim, but, 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 but they're included already in Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, because Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and the mothers, they, they, they father everybody. So if we're looking for the power of the Jewish people, concentrate. In other words, the, the staff needs to have the power of Israel, the power of the Jewish people. So if it needs to have the power of the Jewish people, concentrate. So you have Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and the, and the, and the, uh, and the, uh, and the mothers. What, what do we need to also specify the 12 tribes? And it's not like you can say, because they needed to go out of Mitzrayim, the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes died already. Reuben, Shimon passed away. These are the children. Once we're dealing already with us being the children, so, and our fathers are already stated over there. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and the Yemois. So why do we need to have specified on that staff Tafka the 12 Shvat? So to understand this, well, we can, we can answer. Well, the staff, as we're saying now, one of the primary powers and usages of the staff was to split the sea. And by the splitting of the sea, we find that the sea split into 12 passageways. When the Jewish people entered the sea, it wasn't like that everybody entered together. All of the Jewish people entered together. There was a separate passage for Ruvain, for Shimon, 12 
12 different openings were in the sea. Everybody went like in through their own tunnel, through, through the water. For each of the tribe, they all went. So now we can understand why the staff that needed to split the sea into 12, 12 passageways, it wasn't enough just to have the names of the fathers and the mothers because that would have empowered the sea to split in a manner of a community where everybody will go, where everybody will go together. But since the splitting of the sea required that there should be 12 passageways, so therefore on the staff, there were the names of the 12 Shvatim. Which will also explain to us why we, on the staff, we change from our regular count of the mothers, and instead of counting four mothers, we count six mothers. Since we're dealing with the 12 tribes, since we're emphasizing by Kriyas Yamsov, the miracle is requiring the sea. In order for Kriyas Yamsov, for whatever reason, Kriyas Yamsov needs to be split. It wasn't a passage of the Jewish people as a whole, but it was a passage of the tribes of Israel, emphasizing each Shevet as an individual tribe. So therefore, we need a 12 Shvatim. In order to have 12 Shvatim, you had six mothers. If we're looking at the Jewish people as Klal Yisrael, as a Jewish people, as an entity of Yidin together, then we talk what we say, we only have four mothers. Because Bila and Zilpah, they're just details of Rachel and Leah. But when we're highlighting the individual uh, Shvatim, each Shevet individually, well, four of them are not direct children of Rachel and Leah, they're children of Bila and Zilpah. So we understand now why they needed to be, why the staff was specified in such, a spe, in, in, such a, in such a specific way. However, this itself needs to be understood. Why was it important by Kriyas Yamsuf that the Yamsuf should split into 12 passages? Why can't we just go through the sea? I mean, the main point of Kriyas Yamsuf was to save the Jewish people. And we know that the Eberster doesn't do miracles, lemigne, the Gemara says. Hashem doesn't do miracles just in vain. Whenever Hashem does a miracle, He's doing a miracle for a, for a purpose. If the purpose is to save the Jewish people, it could have been done perfectly well had we had one large opening and everybody would have gone through. What was the point that the Kriya Samson needed to be split into? So it seems like, and it was so important, that that affected the staff and so on and so forth. So we see from here that, in, that inherently in Kriyas Yamsov, it requires a specific march and a specific channel, a specific passageway for every single one of the tribes. So in order to understand that, let's look into something else. Let's look, look into the staff, Bechlal, the staff of Moshe. The staff of Moshe really means the power of the leader. Moshe Rabbeinu, a king, rules with a stick. And, you know, the Gemara talks, the, uh, the uh, you know, you'll find by Yachash that Yachash had a scepter. Uh, the power of a stick is the power of a ruler. So, Moshe Rabbeinu's staff represents the power of the Manig. Now, God could have, of course, redeemed the Jewish people without a human being. Hashem could have done the miracles, and the Jewish people would have gone out of Mitzrayim, and there didn't have to be a shliach, a human figure, to be the one that will execute this. But God did choose to lead the Jewish people through a Jewish leader, and that leader is Moshe Rabbeinu. And as, as the leader um, to, to illustrate, or to, to bring forth and to express the power of the leader, the power of the leader is in the power which, which he leads in his staff. 
So the matter of Moshe is really, by analyzing the matter of Moshe, we're really analyzing the essence of Jewish leadership, of the big, of the great redeemer of Moshe Rabbeinu. So let's, so we need to really understand this idea. What is the function, the truest function of a Jew, of, of a leader, of a real tzaddik, of a real manhig, or what we call a true rebbe, a real leader. Now the reason I choose to speak about this particularly now is because we said earlier, this week is Yutzvat. Yutzvat is this, the, 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 the world Jewry merited 68 years ago in 1951 that a leader rose to, to, for the Jewish people. A, a leader got up and was appointed as the leader of Chabad Hasidim. But in many ways, a leader who took responsibility for all of the Jewish people and transformed and changed the landscape of Judaism in a way that we can hardly, hardly say was ever done before, and in a very, 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 very unique way. And this week, and by Chassidim, this day is a very, very important day. And in a sense, to a certain degree, it, like it's a day in which, which, in which people take very, very seriously in, in, Hasidic, in Hasidic culture, the day is taken very seriously. There's preparation, and people sit and uh, have a fabrengen that night of Yutzvat. And it's in a sense a very deep day. It's like a Yom Kippur day. It's a very, very powerful day. It's a day of extreme empowerment. So I'd like to talk about the concept of a leader and the concept of a Rebbe. And by first saying as follows, it's a difficult subject to be able to discuss and to be able to teach about. It's a deep, but it's an absolute vital subject. Because without appreciating and understanding the concept of a Rebbe, the world cannot realize its ultimate purpose. This is the fundamental of fundamentals of Yiddishkeit, and yet, since it is a concept that is rooted in mysticism, and most Jewish people don't have the knowledge, the mystical knowledge of esoteric ideas, people have a hard time. In general, people have a very hard time with the extremism of Hasidim connected to a Rebbe. In, in, in the general world, as it applies to Hasidim in general, it has already been accepted to the degree that the Hasidic world connects Hasid to Rebbe. But, the, but in Chabad, meaning the fascination and the extremism or the fanaticism of Chabad Hasidim regarding their Rebbe causes a lot of people lots of discomfort. And people have complaints, and probably the, most, the greatest complaint that there is, the greatest issue, if you, if you, <laughs> if you work through all the issues that there are against Hasidim, against Chabad Hasidim, this is the raw nerve, this is like at the point of everything. The fixation and fascination with, from Hasidim to the Rebbe. People have a very hard time. Because to a, to a Hasid, the Rebbe is everything. And, you know, to watching it, you know, I didn't grow up as a, as a you know, I'm, 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 I, I, I'm a Chabad Hasid, but I didn't grow up, I, didn't, I wasn't born a Lubavitcher. I came to Hasidus when I was 17, 18, to Hasidus Chabad, and I got a very, very, very strong attachment and a connection to the Rebbe. And, and, and but, but I myself struggled. I struggled a lot appreciating and understanding this deep bond between Rebbe and Chassid. It drove me crazy and it bothered me tremendously until I learned more and more Hasidus, until I was able to open up my mind and have an appreciation. So what I'm going to try to do today is try to 
give my appreciation that I have for this concept for the Rebbe, for the, for the Rebbe to, to share. And uh, if you're listening to the CD, you never know, you beware, because it might turn you into a chassid if you, listen, if you listen well. But you have to listen with pnimius. You can't listen b'chitzainius. If you listen to chitzainius, you're going to get very, 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 very mad at me. And you're going to say, this Rabbi Wolf is off his rockers and he's a heretic. So therefore, I want you to listen very, very carefully and hear the panemius of what I'm saying, because we're dealing with very, very fundamental ideas, but ideas that need to be understood in the correct way and should not be understood in the incorrect way. And I feel that it is something that I need to speak about because I don't think that many people will speak about it and, be able, and, and give it over to explain this concept to the greater listenership, to the greater world. Again, people, as I mentioned earlier, are disturbed by this fixation. If you go to a Chabad home, number one, you're going to find every Lubavitcher house has a picture from the Rebbe. Then there are people that not only have one picture from the Rebbe, but they have a picture in every room of the house of the Rebbe, and something even more. And in every baby's carriage, there you go, is a picture from the Rebbe. When the baby is being brought into a bris milah, or when the mother is going to have the baby in the hospital, she will not go have her baby unless she's clutching somewhere, somewhere, a picture of the Rebbe. You go into a Chabad car, a picture of the Rebbe. You go to a chasana, or you go to a bar mitzvah, or you go to a bris, watch people cringe, I'm sensitive, I'm sensitive. If you're a Lubavitcher chassid, perfectly fine. Of course you're going to read the letter of the Rebbe. But you don't have that by Gerach Sidim, Belzach Sidim, and other Sidim. It's a Lubavitcher thing. And it causes, and I know because I'm sensitive because I come from a place where I used to cringe, and therefore I see it. That when, every time, now we're going to read the Rebbe's letter. It annoys people. Stop already. We, we, we believe in the Eibishter. We also believe in Tzadikim. We also have our G'dayle Yisrael. But this overly, overly connection and fascination, and, 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 and it, it, it seems to be over. Go to a Chabad Chassid and in his house. So if he's not a scholar, 95% of his books are going to be Svarim of the Rebbe. If he's not such a scholar, if he's like a very mediocre scholar, so then he'll have 70% Chabad Svarim and 30% other books. If he's taka, a real Talmud Chacham and a learner, so then he's going to have 80% or 75% Rebbe Svarim, Chabad, I mean Rebbe, I mean from all Chabad library. And, and, and I'm sorry, no, 80-70% of other Svarim, because of course the thing. And 20%, but there will always be a powerful showing of books of the Rebbe, of Torah from the Rebbe. Talk to a Bachabad Chassid, and you know that somewhere along your conversation, no matter what subject you're discussing, this Chabad Chassid is going to eventually stick it in. He's going to stick it in. And the Rebbe says, and the Rebbe says, and people get very annoyed. Wow, I can't believe that I'm bringing this up publicly over here in the discussion. But this is the reality. So now, after we've like laid it out as it is, let's try to get an understanding and an appreciation. An understanding. Is that just, are those who will take it so far and argue that this is a form of worship, it's a cultish type of a behavior, and it doesn't have room in Judaism. It's extreme. Some call it Rebbe, people that are not, people that are, you know, call it, will call it Rebbe worship, and instead of God worship. And a lot has been written of criticism against Chassidim and against Chabad Chassidim in this particular area. So now let's take a look 
and understand it fundamentally. Because emotions are very nice, and everybody can have emotions. Question is fundamentally to appreciate the concept of dveikus in a Talmud Chacham and in a Tzaddik. So the Gemara, the Gemara tells us, it's a, I'm sorry, it's a Safri. In, in, in Devarim it says, there's a Pasuk where it says there that you should, you should, um, you should, after God you should go, you should, you should follow him and you should fear him and so on and so forth. And then it says, and in him you should cleave. So the Safri, which is a medrash on, on um, the Safri, which is a medrash on, uh, on halachic kind of a medrash on Chumash. So the Safri asks a question, what does it mean you should cleave to God? And the Safri says, the Abishter is fire. Vashem God is fire. How can you cleave to fire? How can you cleave to God? You can't cleave to fire. So the medrash answers, Hadbeik betalmide chachamim. Cleave to a Talmud Chacham, and by cleave, by, it actually says, B'talmidim u'b'chachamim, cleave to the Talmidim, to those who study Torah and to the Chachamim, and mala ni aleichem, and I am going to consider it upon, upon you, ki'ilu hidvaktem, as if you were cleaving to the Abishter himself. That's a concept. Now here, let's read the words. It says to cleave. Cleave means more than just follow. Cleave means attach yourself in a way that you can't separate yourself. You're really, really deeply attached. So how do so obviously this, this idea of people cleaving to another human being and as a means, <coughs> as a commandment in Judaism, how do we understand it? So there is the simple understanding of this is as follows. You can't connect to, the, to God. God is above, beyond, untouchable, unknowable. So to cleave to God, you can't do that. What you can do is, you can cleave to someone who is the godliest of amongst us. How do you become a godly being? You study a lot of Torah. So Torah is, 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 is God's wisdom. So when you study a lot of Torah, that godliness of the Torah that shine, that special holiness and light of the Torah rubs off on this individual that studies and learns a lot of Torah and so on and so forth and follows in the Abishta's way that this being becomes sort of like an angelic being, becomes a more of a spiritual being. In other words, his Tzalem Elohim, his image of God is very, very strong. And therefore, if you cleave, in other words, since you can't cleave to God, so you cleave to something you can get the closest to Hashem. The closest to Hashem are human beings, at least that we have access to, are human beings who study a lot of Torah, and by them, the image of Hashem, the Tzalem Elohim that God created them with, with, is kind of undamaged and untarnished, and therefore you get reward as if you did your best in cleaving to the Eberster. That's the way it's understood on the simplest of levels. Comes the, however, that's until Hasidus came along. Once the, with the advance and with the deeper understanding of the deeper inner teachings of the Torah, Pnimiyas Torah, the inner teachings of the Torah were revealed to the world through the Arizal and eventually through the Baal Shem Tov, we got a much stronger emphasis. Because with the, with the advance of the Hasidic movement, the concept of tzaddik and, and, and follower and or Rebbe and Chassid became 
something. The Baal Shem Tov took the concept of dveikus and the Talmud Chacham to a whole new level. Everybody knows this. I don't have to teach you about history. Once you have people like Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev, Rabbi Lamelech of Lezenz, and all the Rebbes in Rabbi Shleim of Karlin, and all the Rebbes that were there, the mayor of Premishlan and the, the, the Ruhelik Arujaner, and all these tzaddikim, on and on and on, there were powerful, powerful um, 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 uh, groups where people surrounded a certain individual, and that individual became the center point of their Judaism and of their connection. Almost like that Rebbe was their Beis Amigdash the place, their holy of holies, in which all of their Yiddishkeit evolved around the tzaddik. So what was the explanation? It was kind of an, and you should know that the early misnagdim that opposed Hasidus, this was a major problem. It's not a new problem that people have with Chabad today. It's an old problem that came about when the Baal Shem Tov came. The Balatanya needed to defend the Alter Rebbe needed to defend himself when he was arrested, in which day, in which people that, that accused him, uh, the, one of the libels against him was that, that, that Hasidim is a new religion, and it's not Judaism, and one of the things were the fascination with the human being. And they, they, they accused them then that it's a form of idolatry, it's a form of, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a belief far. In other words, there always were leaders and tzaddikim, but to have such a fascination and such a it's overboard. So, the Hasidim, however, gave us a deeper neshama understanding to this idea. What's the explanation of Hasidus? Explanation of Hasidus, now, what I am saying now is the explanation of Hasidus in general. There is a sefer from the Hafla, sefer Hafla, sefer Ponim Yafis, from Repinches, uh, the Baal Hafla, Repinches and his brothers, Reb Shmelke, two geniuses of geniuses, students of the Holy Mizritch and Magid, and were known to be tremendous scholars. He writes, the Baal Hafla writes as follows, and again, I'm just giving one example from thousands of what has been written in Hasidic Shisvarim to explain this idea. But this is the way he explains it. He explains it as follows. It's not to be understood that you're connecting to the tzaddik and that's the best you can do and God considers it as if you, you connected to the Shekhinah. No, absolutely not. He says like this. The tzaddik, when the tzaddik learns Torah, Torah is one with God. Torah and the Eibishter are absolutely one. And therefore, when the tzaddik learns Torah, the tzaddik is now revealing his shor- he's connecting to his own shorish hanashama, his own soul root. Because we say the Zohar says three things are one: Yidin, Torah, and 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 Hashem. But when the Jew comes down in a body, the Jew becomes a separate entity. We're, we're creations. We're beings in this world. Comes one tzaddik from amongst the masses. And he studies Torah. Now, you can say, all Jews study Torah. Yeah, he says. Most Jews, when they study Torah, if they're not very refined, if they're not very pure, and they study Torah, they take the Torah with its garments. They study the Torah, and they get stuck in the outer garments of the Torah, and the light of the Torah, the inner oil, the inner divinity, the inner light of the Torah is not shining. They don't penetrate to that light when they're learning Torah. A tzaddik who is a very refined human being, when he learns Torah, the light of the Torah registers and opens up in his neshama. That means that God's light suddenly fills him from head to toe. When it fills him, it can reconnect his created neshama down here to his part of his neshama that is still up there in Shamayim, that is one with Hashem. And now the tzaddik is literally one with the Shekhinah. 
because the tzaddik has re-encountered his neshama as it is in heaven, where it is one with the shechinah. So now if I'm cleaving to the tzaddik, if I'm connecting myself to the tzaddik, I'm literally connecting to God. That's what the Balafla says. So it should be taken understood literally. You're actually connecting not to a human being. You're connecting to the Shekhinah. Of course, the Shekhinah is enclosed in this particular tzaddik in a physical human body. But his neshama has now ceased. His, this is the main point. His neshama ceased to be an individual entity, a creation. His neshama melted. His neshama was submerged back with the Abishter. And when you're connecting with the tzaddik, you're connecting with God. Because the tzaddik is now an expression of the Abishter. So he says, and so the B'nai Yisachar also brings an Agar de Pirk. And again, I'm not making up stuff over here. That, that this, this, this is what it says in Chassidosh Yisfarah. The outer Rebbe, Rebbe Shneir Zalman of Liyadi, whose idea, whose, who he, his, his, he, he, he brought to the world Chassidus Chabad, which Chassidus Chabad means intellectual, the intellectual element of Chassidus, which means he was able to articulate these abstract, mystical ideas of Chassidus in a manner that we can understand it better. So in his second chapter, in his monumental work of the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe tackles this idea of Iskashros to the Tzaddik, the connection between Rebbe and Chassid. And the Alter Rebbe sees it a little bit different than the, than the, than the same idea, but just in a slightly different. In other words, the Bahafla is saying, when the Tzaddik learns Torah, through the Torah, he's connecting himself to him source. When he connects to him source, he connects to a Sherish and a The way the Alter Rebbe explains it in the second chapter of Tanya, again, it's something really worth learning and it has to be learned and understood well. I'm just going to do very, very briefly. The Rebbe says like this, based on the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, that every single one of us truly, deeply is a chelek we are all literally a piece of God from above. Our neshama, our Jewish souls, are not creations like the rest of, 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 of the world. Our neshamas are a piece of the Abishter, a piece of God from above. That means that we are Him. At our inner deepest core, our souls are God. That's what happened. Way back then, our neshama is up there in Shammai. But then, he says, the neshama takes a journey, and the neshama starts coming down into this world, as as the Eberster blows the neshama out of himself, and the neshama leaves its original source, the neshama starts slowly metamorphosizing, and it starts becoming a creation. It's not truly ever a creation. A nisham is different than everything else. All other creatures are fundamentally creations, fundamentally entities that once were not, and then they came into being from nothingness, and therefore they are entities that exist and are limited therefore by time and space. A nishama really is from above time and space because it's part of the infinite, part of the Abishter. But as it enters into the process of worlds and it starts descending, and the nishama takes a long spiritual journey as it passes through myriads and myriads of worlds, spiritual worlds. And in the descent of this nishama, it, it, it evolves and it changes. How does it change? It changes in the sense that it stops seeing itself as Abishter, as God, as part of, as Hashem, it starts feeling its own self as something other than Hashem. In the words of Hasidus, the Hasidic later Hasidic Maimarim, translating what you know and explaining what the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, is that it's Eloikus Shanasa Nivra. It's the Neshama essentially is divine, but it becomes fermented like a creation. 
It, it experiences itself as a creation. So let me just for a moment explain that idea. And that means like this. The Abishter, when the Nisham is part of God, there's only Hashem. That's it. it. Its reality is only God. Now, God has a personality. The Abishter has ten sephiros, in which the Abishter manifests himself through ten sephiros. That means that God has an intellect. Has, is, we have an intellect. We think we have an intellect. God has an intelligence. The Abishter has emotions. Of course, these are not essential core elements in God. God can't be defined neither by intellect or intelligence. That the Abishter himself is simple with other simplicity beyond beyond all definition and all description and so on and so forth, for sure. But yet the Abishter chose to emanate, to carve, or so to speak, to, to adapt for himself certain personality traits, to self-limit himself into these, into these human characteristics of intellect and emotion. The Abishter also have, above his intellect and above his emotions, levels of keser. What is that? That we usually refer to as God's desire. And even deeper than desire, there is the Abishter's pleasure. Of course, this is all anthropomorphically speaking. These, we can't look at these things in literal sense the way we understand them. But these things exist. Now, what does that mean? If a nisham is a a piece of the Abishter, so the nishama's intelligence, when the nishama is one with God, it's God's intelligence. It's not the nishama's intelligence. The nishama has love. It's not the nishama loving. It's not I have love. It's the Abishter's love. What does the Abishter love? The Abishter loves a mitzvah. So when the nishama is part of Hashem, the nishama is loving a mitzvah with God's love, not with its own love. It doesn't have a sense that I'm loving something. The Abishta loves the world, the Abishta loves Jews, the Abishta loves Torah and mitzvahs, and the nishama loves all those things. The pleasure of the soul is the pleasure of God. The, 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 the desire of the nishama is the desire of Hashem. The intellect of the nishama is the intellect of Hashem. That's when the nishama is part of the Abishta. When the neshama begins to come down, it starts becoming an eye. Suddenly, the moment it becomes an eye, it becomes limited in, 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 in finite because it's no more in, in, included in the infinite. And now, what's its feeling? Ah, it knows its creator with a powerful awareness. It knows God. It's loving the apishter. Oh, but the very fact that there is an I love and I am loving God is a sign that there is already a consciousness other than Hashem. You have an identity that's not God. You're already experiencing yourself as a creation. And so the neshama comes down lower and lower and lower. As it descends from world to world, from world to world, its sense of self thickens. Its sense of its own identity becomes denser and denser and denser. But even the highest, even the lowest neshama, when it's coming down and it didn't go into a body, as long as the neshama is not in a body, it still has a powerful, powerful, powerful awareness of God, the creator of the universe. There's no neshama. Every neshama knows Hashem very, very strongly. And it wants to serve Hashem. But then the last stage of the neshama, the neshama gets thrown into a thick spirit called an animal soul. And then the animal soul comes into a physical body and suddenly our identity, what's our identity? Well, your identity, my identity. You woke up in the morning. When you woke up today, well, you feel, did you feel, that I feel a powerful, powerful yearning to, to, to put on tefillin and to love the Abishter and fear the Abishter, hold my head. That's not what I felt. When I woke up in the morning, the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to check my email. Who did this guy answer? Did this guy call me? So on and so forth. The next thing I wanted was to take coffee because I want coffee. Then I wanted to find the hidden chocolate that my wife hid from the kids so that I can have chocolate with my coffee, right? And then I'm thinking about, well, I'm thinking of whatever, whatever. Now I want to take a shower. I want to do this. I want to do that. 
I'm filled with me. I'm not filled with Abish there. I, oh, but then if I, if I daven, if I learn, and I start raising my consciousness, I start going deeper in, I hopefully can discover my truer, deeper inner neshama self. But my regular consciousness is very earthy consciousness. I am a very physical person with physical desires. I feel myself, I like attention, and so on and so forth, like you, like all of us, we're all that way. So our neshama, you see the change that happened? And let's imagine that, that at the spark and at the innermost of my neshama and your identity and my identity is really our real, real core. You're really part of God and your loves are God's loves. <laughs> That's an ancient dream a long, long, long time ago, a gazillion years ago. I don't mean a gazillion years in time because there's no gazillion years since God created the world. But it's as if something that happened way back then, a distant memory, a distant removed uh, 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 consciousness that we're so far from today. But then there are exceptions, the Alter Rebbe says. There are tzaddikim, there are these special lofty souls that when they come down to this world, they change very little, they don't metamorphosize. In other words, they come down with the consciousness that they are part of the Abish, they're part of God. And in that godly state, they come down into this world. Now let's understand very, very briefly, I'll have to do this very quickly, that the, the, these, these very lofty people, they're completely different than us. So let's first talk on the lower, the lower levels. The lower levels of tzaddikim are people whose neshamas don't become physicalized like our souls. So they remain spiritual. And what does that mean? When they wake up in the morning, their natural inclination is to do a mitzvah. They're excited to say moida'ani like with all their passion and all their soul. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak jumped out of bed and all he wanted to scream was shaloy asani goy, I didn't make me a, a Gentile, you made me a Jew. That's, he was bursting with joy, bursting with that. They want tefillin much more than they want French toast. Different than us. That's their natural inclination because their souls are still so spiritual, so, so full of light. Fine. That's one levels of neshamas that don't change, which means they don't become fagrept, they don't become coarse, they remain very spiritual and very holy. But there are neshamas that don't even become creations. They come down as what we call in Hasidus, they remain in the world of Atsilos. The world of Atsilos is the world of the divine. So when they come down into, this, into a body, they don't even have a sense of self. Which means that their thoughts continue to be God's thoughts. Their physical head is thinking the Abish's thoughts. God is thinking through them. Their emotions are not there, I am loving Hashem. Hashem is loving. Hashem is loving in their physical heart. When they're speaking, they're not speaking their words. These tzaddikim are generally called Merkava. They're chariots. Like David HaMelech, for instance. David HaMelech was a chariot to the divine attribute of Malchus. Malchus is the power of God's speech. And therefore, David HaMelech, particularly in his speech, when he spoke, you knew God is speaking. That's why he was a ruler, he was a king. And he, when he's a king, he's not a king on behalf of himself. He's, he's a king. He's sitting on God's throne. The Abe, and when he gives an edict, it's God giving an edict, not him giving an edict. And it's for that reason that we know that when it comes to speech, Whose words do we use more than anybody else in order for prayer? And so we use David HaMelech's words. Because David HaMelech's words are divine. They're godly. They're not, they're not creation words. They're his words because he was a channel. And he's, his mouth and the Eberster's mouth were completely one. Because he was a, a merkava to the midah of the Eberster's malchus. Avram Avinu, he was a channel of the Eberster's attribute of kindness. That's who he was. 
He felt in his soul, it wasn't that Avram Avinu felt kind and he wanted to give tzedakah. As a human being, he was such a lovable kind. He loved people. He was such a beautiful zaydi, full of love, full of light, that he just wanted to hug everybody and give everybody and so forth. That's not, that's of course also true, but it goes much deeper than that. In Avram Avinu's heart flowed the juice of the apister's love for mankind. God loves the, every the humanity with such an amazing love. And Avram Avinu felt God's love to every human being. And that's why he ran to help a person with all of his infinite power. You wonder, he just had his bris milah. He was, he, he was sick, sick, he was frail, he had a surgery, and he's running like a madman for three Arabs that bow down to the dust of their feet. You say, man, this man went crazy. The answer is, if God is going to be flowing through your heart, if God's kindness, infinite kindness, is going to flow through your heart, you would also do the same thing. Then you're possessed with this infinite energy far past, right? That, that's the idea of being a channel to the Abishter. These are unique tzaddikim. Very special people, not everybody. These are only very few tzaddikim throughout the generations that are on this level of being in the level of neshamis of atzilus. They don't change. They don't become creations. They remain godly entities even while they come down into this world. So this is why, for instance, the Zohar says, that Reb Shimon Ba Yochai said that when um, it says three times a year you should... You should um, you should go see the face of God. Three times a year. That's what it says in the, Zohar, in the Pasuk. Three times a year, the Jew is supposed to go up to Eretz Yisrael, supposed to go to the base of Migdash and see the face of Hashem. So the, so the, so the Gemara says, so the, the Zohar says, Man Who is the face of God? You hear what the Zohar says? This can make someone, someone who's, who, who's uncomfortable with the idea of a Rebbe, literally can faint, can have a heart attack from the Zohar. Can look at the Zohar and say that the Zohar, chas v'sholem, is idolatry. The Zohar is idolatry. Chas v'sholem. The Zohar is saying, if you want to go look at the face of God, go see and look at Reb Shimon by Yochoi's face. When you're looking at Reb Shimon by Yochoi, yech sidim, standing around the Rebbe, standing around Reb Shimon by Yochoi, they're looking at his face, and the Zohar is saying, that face is the face of the Abishter. Why? He's a human being with physical eyes. The answer is, Reb Shimon had no ego. He was completely, 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 he had no self-consciousness. He had no self-awareness. He completely hallowed out his entire existence. There was no him. The only being he was, so his neshama was reunified and completely, one, or never left, I should say reunified. But he was already born at Tzaddik. When he was born in this world, he was a powerful neshama. Unified with Hashem. Never metamorphosized into an independent consciousness. So therefore he's unified and totally one with Hashem. So even though he's in a physical body, it's not him, it's an extension of God in a physical body. So you say, idolatry? Idolatry? Total opposite! Who's idolatry? We're idolatry. The fact that we walk around and have itself, the fact that I walk around and say, I want, I'm hungry, I am this and I'm that, that's idolatry. How dare I claim I am in the face of the Abishter who's Enoid Movada, there's none but him. The fact that I'm ignorant, the fact that I'm thick, the fact that I'm dense and that I have an ego, that's my problem. Rip Shimon Bayochai doesn't have that problem. His entire consciousness is pervaded with the truth of God. So he's not here. 
He's accepting, he's living in the unity and the echad of the Abishter. There's nobody else but God, only Hashem. So when you're looking at Rav Shemim you're basically looking at a window to God. We all black Hashem with our egos, with ourselves. The tzaddik is so melted and so nullified to God, he's so egoless, he's not blocking. So then Hashem comes through, through his body. When you're looking in his eyes, you're looking at God's eyes. I'm not saying that. Don't blame me. It says so in the Zohar. Man Fine. So this is the Hasidic concept of a tzaddik. The real element of Rebbe. Now we have to understand, of course, the tzaddik, and there's billions of levels of this. There's levels upon levels of levels. And even in the tzaddik itself, there are different moments. There are moments like, you know, like us. There are moments that we're very low. And when we're very low, all we can think of is our physical desires and wants that are sometimes antithetical completely to Hashem. And then there are moments that we're elevated through prayer, through learning. We're in a higher consciousness. In the tzaddik as well. There are moments when the tzaddik is a creation. He falls into creation consciousness. And he's loving Hashem. That's a low moment of his. And then there are moments that the tzaddik rises and completely melts into Hashem. And during that time, he's a channel to God. He's not himself. And the art tzaddikim who never ever go away from being a channel. They're always a channel. So this is the concept. Which level of the divine is the tzaddik connecting to? Is the tzaddik facilitating? Well, there are so many, so many levels of, 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 of elokus. And, you know, that, that will create the, 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 the different types of tzaddikim, the true, true, true tzaddikim. We're talking about super mega tzaddikim over here. We're not talking about stam someone that, that, that opens a shtibel and people go and say, oh, he's a, he's a fine yid. I'm talking about real, true, emesit tzaddikim, like the, the world knew, like the Balshemtov, like the Holy Arizal, Rav Shimon Bayochai, you know, Nevi'im, prophets, the David HaMelech, these great super mega tzaddikim. These are people whose neshamas were unified with the Abishter, each one on a different level. Now, now let's continue because the ideas now build up one on top of the other. Now, in God Himself, there is Hashem as Hashem contracts Himself into what we spoke before, the spherotic range, the spheros. And then there is the level of the Abishter that's above spheros. For example, there is the idea of the Orein Sof. There's the Keter, the crown. The crown is above the spheres. What's special about the Abishta's crown over the attributes? The attributes is divinity as God fixes himself into certain, into certain ideas that are limited. But then the, the Keser is the Abishter, God's light as it's shining un, uninhibited, unlimited, unconstrained, the infinite light of the Ein Sof. The level of Keser is the level of God's desire. Now, even if you have tzaddikim that are channels for various different attributes of God, there is a whole different level when a tzaddik is tapping into, he's plugging his neshama in to the level of keser, to crown. When a tzaddik is on this level, he's feeling that his, what happens is he loses all desire and his desire is only God's desire. He doesn't just have a divine intelligence. He doesn't just have divine emotions. His being, his desire is the Abishter's desire. He's encapsulated in the infinite light of Hashem. He's a channel for the infinite. And so on, it goes higher and higher. All different. There's a tzaddik whose pleasure is the pleasure of God, even deeper than desire. 
Again, this is a lot of deep Hasidic ideas which I don't want to get through right now. There's a lot to talk about. But here is where I want to introduce the next phase of what I'm saying. And that is when, when the Holy Balatanya was born, when the Balatanya was born, Zalman of Liadi, the Balshemtov got all excited. And the Balshemtov said, a new Nishama is coming to the world. A Nishama Chadasha. A new Nishama is coming to the world. And he, got very, he was very excited. He went to the mikveh that day. And then and when the Balshem, and when the, when the Balatanya was born, the Balshemta made a little suda. He made a party. And he celebrated again and again. A new neshama came to the world. How do we understand usually a new neshama? The way it's understood a new neshama for most people means a neshama that has not been recycled before. A soul that's coming to the world. Most of our neshamas are Gilgulim. Fine, that's how I, how I understood a new neshama for many years until one day I encountered an Arizal brought down in the Hasidus where the Arizal teaches and translates new neshama on a whole new level. The Arizal says that the real meaning of a new neshama means a neshama that has not been part of Adam Arishan's neshama. When Adam Arishan was born and Adam Arishan included all neshamas of all the Jewish people, everybody, there are, the, he included everybody. A new neshama is someone who's not part of Adam's neshama. So if he's not part of his neshama, how does he exist in this world? The answer is he doesn't belong in this world. He belongs in the post-Mashiach world. Until Mashiach comes, all neshamas that come to the world are all part of Adam's neshama. We're all different details of Adam's neshama. But after Mashiach will come, the Arizal explains it based on all kinds of proofs, whatever the Arizal, you know, we revealed to him by Leo Navi that there are new neshamas that are going to enter into the cosmos. And these neshamas are totally way beyond, way beyond anything the world has seen in levels of tzaddikim, on a whole different scale. And that's what the Baal Shem Tov says, that the Balatanya is a new neshama, means that he's a visitor from the future who's visiting our world now before Mashiach comes to prepare the world for Mashiach consciousness, for a whole new light of Yemaisa Mashiach. Okay, it's a fascinating idea. Zalman of Liadi. I always and I always felt this powerful connection to his neshama. After I read this, I said, "Wow, you can understand." I mean, this is a revolutionary new neshama. But let's go to one of the main teachings the Baal Rebbe taught, and just to give you an understanding, why is it that the Balatanya is the new neshama outside of Adam Arish? What does that mean? So here's an amazing teaching. One of the main themes of Tanya that are revolutionary is that the Baal Rebbe turns Yiddishkeit on its head. The Alter Rebbe comes along and makes a statement that God, the desire of the Abishter, God's desire is to have a home in this world. And that the purpose of creation is because the Abishter wants to be, live with us in our physical world. This idea is a novel idea, because Judaism has never seen it that way. Judaism always saw, until the Balatanya came along, as the purpose of creation being the great lights that are going to be revealed in the spiritual worlds above, which we create those lights in the spiritual worlds above as a result of our mitzvahs down here. And Rambam talks about it. One day, our neshamas, at the end of time, our neshamas will all die. We will all leave this world. We will all go to that world, that spiritual world, and enjoy godliness over there. That's what the Rambam says. And, 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 and Jewish philosophy has always been thinking that way. Now, I'm not saying there, were, there are seeds of what the Balatanya is saying in teachings and writings, Ramban and so on and so forth, but the Balatanya comes along and 
turned everything around and he says that the purpose of the Abish that created the world is because God wants we should bring him down to live with us in the physical world. And he brings a medrash. The Abishter wanted to have a dwelling place in the lower world. God wants to live down here. Now you ask the question, why would God want to live down here? What's this physical world is so low, it's so lousy. It's so low, it's so limiting, it's so constricting, it's so, the spiritual worlds are so much greater. The Alter Rebbe says there is no explanation to that. You can't explain why, because the Alter Rebbe proves, and then he goes through, he goes through all the reasons of why God created the world. He himself hints to it. Later, the I'm not saying that he himself and Tanya does this, but through his writings, and then later through the writings of the later Hasidic Rebbes, especially the fifth Chabad Rebbe, Rebbe Shondav Ber, expounding on, on his grandfather's Chiddush, He's explaining over there why all the explanations given by all, all Jewish thinkers throughout all generations and even in the Zohar and about why God created the world, they're all explanations that are relate to various different levels of the Eberster's light. There are various different levels where God wants a world for this reason or God wants a world for that reason. Fine. But the Alter Rebbe says we really, when we get to the very, very essence of God Himself, we go down to Atzma, what we call in, in, in Hasidus, we refer to this level, to the Eberster himself, because we have no other term, we say Atzmus, the very essence, the essence of Eberster himself. Before there is any, any, any rational, before there's any logic even created, before rational logic even exists. So on that level, why, what's the purpose of creation? The Alter Rebbe says, a burning desire that God wants a home in this world. Why? He says very strange words. He says, You can't ask a question on a desire. It's a desire that's totally beyond reason and explanation. So it is. Then the Alter Rebbe goes, and I was learning this discourse just a little, a few, a few months ago. We learned it over here Thursday night. One of the discourses relating to this. Then the Alter Rebbe says, hear this, I know I'm speaking some very deep ideas, but... You have to understand, see, those people who have complaints on Hasidus and on the conduct of Hasidus is because it's a lack of appreciating, appreciating these deep concepts. So the Balatanya says an amazing thing. He brings that Bemi Nimlach, with who did, the, the, the Medrash says, with who did the Eberster consult whether to create the world or not to create? The Eberster consulted with the souls of Tzadikim. So the Alter Rebbe says, but hold it, there's, at this point, before there is even a will to create the worlds, who are the souls of tzaddikim? There's no souls of tzaddikim. So the Alter Rebbe explains, these souls of the tzaddikim, they're really still God. Basically, God is consulting with himself, because we, the Jewish people, are rooted in God, so God is consulting with himself. And what is he consulting about? <laughs> He's consulting whether he should want this desire of having a home in this lower world or not. He's consulting within himself whether he should desire this irrational, and when I'm saying irrational, I really mean super logical desire to have a home in this world for no reason at all. And that's what he's consulting within himself. And the Alter Rebbe says that, that consulting, that's the deepest, deepest inner, inner, inner point in God's essence. From that consultation emanates all of creation and all of existence. Because we, we, the other side of God, as we are part of Him, gave God the go-ahead and said, yes, 
Yes, you should desire to have a home in this world. And we will make you that home when you will separate us and make us part creations in this world. And basically, this is a dialogue within Hashem, within Himself. And we're the ones who give Him that green light that yes, He should go and create. That's what the Altar Rebbe says. I'm learning this and I'm wondering to myself a simple question. How in the world does the Altar Rebbe know? On this level, there's no Sfarim that say this. How does the Altar Rebbe know what was going on in that deliberating point in God's essence? How does he know that? You can't know that. This is not something you can learn in Rebbe Kiva Eger. It's not something you can learn in a Mishnah. It's not something you learn in... in, 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 in. Where do you know this from? <laughs> so the answer that occurred to me, and, that's, and, that's, and I have proof to it, and I'll share it with you in a few moments. The answer that occurred to me, the reason the Alter Rebbe knows, is because the Alter Rebbe remembers that dialogue. He remembers that dialogue happening in the Abish there, whether to create or not. How does he remember because his neshama never changed from the essence of God. You see, when his neshama came down, why? Because he's not part of Adam Marisha's neshama. Adam Marisha's neshama was exhaled. It's part of the Abish that's projected. Even the neshamas of tzaddikim that are connected to the highest levels of divinity, they're connected to levels of divinity. But the Alter Rebbe's neshama belongs to Mashiach. After Mashiach comes, God's essence is going to be revealed. His neshama never left the essence. And therefore, he knows what is happening in the Abishta's essence. And until he came and wrote the book of Tanya, no one knew that. Of course, that's the essence of halacha. In halacha and Torah mitzvahs, you see there is an emphasis on gashmias in the physical world. But no one understood why Yiddishkeit is so fascinated with the physical. The Alter Rebbe's neshama never left. His neshama is, is, is plugged into Atzimus himself, to the Abishter himself, and from Atzimus himself, he's coming down and sharing with us what he feels. What his, he is what? His neshama is one with the essence of the Abishter. And from that place, he gives us the book of Tanya. Of course, he's a human being in a physical body, and he passed away. He lived here for 60-something years, and he passed away. Of course, he's a human being, and he went, you know, the Alter Rebbe ate and drank. and did. But when he ate and drank, as his grandson says, he didn't eat and drink physical food. He ate and drank physical food, but he ate the spark of Hashem that's in the food. He lived in a completely divine realm. Everything that he did physical was just a physical expression of, 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 of a person living in the complete essence of the Abishter. That's who he was. Okay, that's... And to prove to this, let me read to you what the, what the Rebbe says. The Rebbe says, the, the seventh Chabad Rebbe. He says, This is in Lakuti Sichas. He says, On page 510, volume 2, you can look it up. This is probably the most shocking statement you'll find in a Hasidic book. The Rebbe says, I haven't seen this spoken about in the Hasidis. Now, this is my hergish. You see, again, he's saying, I, I can't quote you a source. You want to be a, a puny little brain with a tiny little, you know, when you're looking for, for a source. I can't quote you a source. Whoever wants to feel this can feel this. And whoever doesn't want to feel this, I'm not going to argue with him, the Rebbe says. Let him, let him believe what he believes. He says, when you're talking about a Rebbe, he says, you can't, and Hasidim are connected to a Rebbe. He says, a Rebbe is not an intermediary. He's not a, when you're, when you're connecting to a Rebbe, you're not connecting to somebody. And that somebody is connecting to God. No, no, no. The Baal, here's where the Rebbe uses these words. As does is, Atzimus Alein. That a Rebbe, hear these words, and he's talking about at least the Chabad lineage. 
He says, a Rebbe, as it's understood on the deepest level, this is the essence of God himself, as he's lowering himself down in a body. Now what does that mean? And he brings the Zohar, he brings the Zohar. He brings the Zohar, which I told you earlier, who is the face of the master? That's Rav Shimon and then the Rebbe says on, in, 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 in Ha'ara 56, in his, in his footnote, he says, I guess after they printed this, and after this went out, that the Rebbe said something like this, it created a storm amongst people that didn't like necessarily Chabad, and had questions. He says, people asked questions. I said, I must have gotten so many mail, the Rebbe said. Again, I didn't say those words. He says, they made a big commotion. How can you say something like that? Similar to this, it says in the revealed part of the Torah. He brings a Yerushalmi in Mesechtus Bikurim, Perigimel Alachigimel. In Yerushalmi, it says, God is in his holy throne. Hashem is in his holy throne. Who is that? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Baralazar, the Kisrin. If you go into the city of Kisrin, and you look for at, at Rebbe, what was his name? Uh, Rebbe, um, hmm? something Baralazar. Uh, if you look at, at the Repinchas Baralazar, I think it says Repinchas. No, Rabbi Yitzchak Baralazar. You look at Rabbi Yitzchak Baralazar, who's sitting and studying with his talus and his tefillin or whatever it is in that shul. You're going to see Havaya Behechel Kacha. You're going to see God in his throne. This is wild stuff. So the Rebbe says, people started complaining. But just because people look and complain, that's why you shouldn't say the truth. What is he saying? He's saying this is God. That, that's idolatry. Not saying it's God. Stop with this Nadesh Kai. Not saying that. What is he saying? He's saying that the tzaddik is bottled to the Abishter so thoroughly. So that tzaddik is so permeated with only the Abishter, only God, that he literally doesn't exist. So who's coming through? The Abishter is coming through. It's only that there are tzaddikim whose light that they're plugging into, which means their consciousness, are the external elements of the Ein Sof. What the Rebbe is saying, what a Rebbe is, a true meaning of Rebbe, the deepest meaning, is that this is the essence of the Abishter himself, not being blocked. And again, as I told you earlier, you see from the Alter Rebbe, how in the world can he give us this Chiddush that, <laughs> that, that what was going on in God's heart before there was even a th- anything, how does he know? The answer is you, you know because he remembers that. Why does he remember? Because his neshama didn't change. His neshama is of that essence revealing the, those deepest feelings to us. This is regarding the Alter Rebbe. When the Rebbe became Rebbe, let's wrap this up very quickly. When the Rebbe became Rebbe, seven generations later, and the Rebbe became, assumed the, the, the leader of Chabad movement, he began his, his leadership by saying a discourse called Basi Lagani. And Basi Lagani, Basi Lagani, discusses a series of seven tzaddikim that come to the world before Mashiach comes, similar to the seven tzaddikim that were here as process of the Giyula when we went out of Mitzrayim. It started with Avram Avinu. It took seven generations to bring the Shekhinah down to the world. Moshe Rabbeinu was the seventh generation and he brought the Shekhinah down to the world. 
So the Rebbe says, before Mashiach comes, there is also seven tzaddikim. And the seventh tzaddik, and he's clearly talking about himself, because he continues speaking to the Hasidim, and he says, we're the ones who have this job. And what's the job? Of bringing the Shekhinah down in the world, which means completing the whole purpose of creation, of bringing heaven down to earth, bringing God into the world, into every part of creation. And that's our job. Basically, he says to the Hasidim, we have a huge project, the biggest project of all of, her, of history, permanently making this world holy. And that desire is whose desire? That desire is God's desire. The, the Abishter himself, Atzmus the Abishter himself, the deepest inner, innermost desire of the Abishter wants to have that dwelling place in this world. From that day on, for the next 42 years, the Rebbe did not sleep one night. The Rebbe did not rest even one moment. With he has this, you can anybody can that, that knows anything and 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 finds out and reads and looks into and 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 will 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 inquire will get will 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 see this. The Rebbe did not stop for one moment for 42 years of just driving this one thing. We have to complete the job and bring the Shekhinah down into the world. How do we do that? By reaching every year to keep Torah and mitzvahs. As much as to chase, to get every Jew to do a mitzvah. Across the entire world, we have to reach every single Yid. But that's not enough. Because Jews doing mitzvahs, that's the main power in expressing God in this world. But it's not only Jews. Non-Jews have to keep Sheva mitzvahs b'nei noyach. And that means that, that they have to keep their mitzvahs. So the Rebbe was, 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 was driving a, a force. He, had, he began just with a, with a small group of Hasidim, not that many. But he inspired and inspired and inspired. And he got Hasidim, everybody. He got people excited about this work. And that everybody should go and each person is, a, is part of this plan. And every person has to inspire others. And he sent his shluchim around the whole world chasing after every Jew. Reaching for every human being. And taking every person that he ever, that he meets. And in every conversation, pushing one agenda. Whose agenda? God's agenda. The Abishter's agenda of making a home for himself in this world. And you should know that from all the tzaddikim that there were, is if something about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he did not take in 42 years one day off, one day. Tzaddikim are also have limitations. They need to go rest. Even Chabad Rebbeim would go on vacation. The Rebbe never went on a vacation. He never... Now, I, last week I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. I was coughing. I was... I, I felt... I didn't... Baruch Hashem, I stayed away from the flu. But I was really coughing and sick. You can hear it on last week's year. I thought I'm going to... And I no koyach. And I... And I and I'm what, kind, <coughs> what kind of work do I do? Okay, I work. I give a few shiurim here and there. The Rebbe is an old man, 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old. And all those times, there isn't a day that he takes off calls and sick. I'm not coming in today. I'm sure secretaries can be without me. The Rebbe has a cough, a terrible cough, pain, fever, nothing. Why? And let's understand, so it's clear, it's clear that the Rebbe's drive, it's not him. In his heart, the burning desire of the quintessence of God himself, that I want to have a home in this world, found a nest in his physical heart. He's burning with God's desire, not his own desire. 
Because his identity is completely nullified, completely unified. And never in the history of the world was a person so devoted and so dedicated and so given over to the ultimate mission of transforming the entire world. The word tzaddikim awaited for Mashiach, the word tzaddikim who learned a lot of Torah, tzaddikim who did this, this, and that. But a tzaddik who did relentlessly, did not stop. And the one thing, everybody that came across his path, the Rebbe turned them around and showed them how they have the responsibility of bringing the Eberster into this world, of realizing the purpose of creation. The Rebbe went from person, from place to place. Now, how do I know other tzaddikim? I don't know what's going on in the heart of all the tzaddikim since the Abishta created the world. I don't know. But one thing I could tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, there was a little boy, there's a story, there was a little boy who once <coughs> came to his Rebbe, his Rebbe, and he said to his Rebbe, Rebbe, Yankele wants to hit me. So the Rebbe says, Yankele wants to hit you? How do you know? She says, because he hit me. You understand? The kid was smart. You see, if he would come to the Rebbe and say to the Rebbe, Yankel uh, hit me, the Rebbe said, eh, he, wouldn't, he didn't want to do it. So this kid was smart. He says, Rebbe, Yankel wants to hit me. How do I know? Because he hit me. You see, I don't know what went on in the hearts of tzaddikim. There must have been a lot of tzaddikim. But them, I don't have the proof. With the Lubavitcher Rebbe, there is a proof. The proof is that he did it. How do you know he wanted to do it? Because he did it. Because he is the first tzaddik in the world who accomplished doing this. You know how much energy and never-ending energy. See, what I'm saying is, well, if you look at the Lubavitcher Rebbe, you see there is an engine there, a drive that's infinite. It's not human. A human being could not stand eight hours like that and giving dollars to people with, at, at 90 years old. A human can't do that. And I'm not saying the Rebbe is not human. He has a physical human body. But inside his heart is not it's not pulsating his neshama. It's the Ebishter's neshama, meaning it's God himself unified with the Rebbe's neshama in his heart, pumping the adrenaline. Because he's not feeling, it's not like the Rebbe has his love for Hashem. And if this is what Hashem wants, this is what he wants. It's much deeper than that. The Rebbe, the Ebishter took over his heart. He has no human heart. His heart is the Ebishter's heart. And this explains, now if you ever meet a tzaddik like this, a tzaddik who, who doesn't exist, a tzaddik who is not a being, a tzaddik who is not a somebody, and therefore there is no block. You should know there's nothing as attractive, there's nothing as pulling like that. There's a reason why the Lubavitcher Rebbe has chassidim like no one else has. And like no one has in all the generations. Such devoted, dedicated, mysterious nefesh and will go fire and water for him. The reason is because when someone doesn't exist and God is existing in him, God is the most attractive thing. So when the chassidim are pulling to the Rebbe, it's not to him, it's to, it's to the Abishter that's in him. It's their love and their neshama to their source. What do I find in the Lubavitcher Rebbe? What do I find in the Lubavitcher Rebbe? When I, when I didn't get to meet him that much. I saw him a little bit. I went to him a few times, but I wasn't, I wasn't zeichet to be in a private yechidus. When I learn the Rebbe Sichus, when I'm learning his Torah, what am I having? I'm having a dialogue with the Abishter himself. Why? Because through his teachings, I feel God saying to me, Wolf! You have a purpose in this world. You have a unique purpose. You need to talk. You need to teach. And then I'm uncomfortable, then I feel small, then I feel I'm a nobody. I feel I'm a nobody and I say, who am I? 
I, I'm scared to give this particular CD. This particular talk, I'm scared to give. You know, we'll put this out on the street, we'll say, what happened? And the Abish just says, I need you to say this. You're, 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 you have a mouth, you have a tongue, you can speak, you can give over ideas. You can do something for me no one can do. Only you can do. I hear that, I hear that but no, I don't get this from any other tzaddik. I don't get it from any safer. I can learn every safer in the world. I get it from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Why? Because the Lubavitcher Rebbe in his teachings takes every single person. It doesn't make a difference who you are. Because, because the Abishter Atzmus created us all. And Atzmus created every single one of us. And Atzmus has a desire in each and every one of us that each and every one of us has a purpose to fulfill in this world. And he expresses himself in us, through us. So when one walked in, you see, one thing you'll see, look at, the, look at people describing their private audiences with the Rebbe. Look, or look at dollars. Watch, watch. There's so many videos today. You can, you can see this with your eyes. All the people that walked into Rebbe will describe one thing. First of all, he had very powerful blue eyes. Fine, that's nice. A lot of people have very powerful blue eyes. But when you walked into him, you wanted to see him, and you never got to see him. You got to see yourself. The Rebbe took every conversation and turned it around, and the Rebbe said, it's not about me, it's not what about you. What are you doing in New World? Who are you? You're living in this and this community. You have responsibility. You have the ability to affect your, your environment. You can affect the people over there. What's with this child in your neighborhood? What's with this Gentile in your neighborhood? What's with this person who needs your help? What's with that person? He turned every person into a channel to be able to fulfill God's ultimate drive. So when you walked into the Rebbe, you walked out suddenly, not feeling him. You felt the, the, the burning need for you to exist and for you to have a purpose in this world. Why? Because you came face to face with your maker. Because the Rebbe is not there. He's black. He removed. He's not there. Through his eyes comes, you're facing the essence of existence of the Eberster himself who's saying to you, I need you. It's coming through the Rebbe's mouths. It's coming through his words. It's coming through. Why? Because the Eberster himself, his desire and his want to have a home in this world is sensed weird. Let's, let's just understand this. I just have a few more minutes. It's sensed somewhere deep in the spiritual, above all spiritual worlds, in God, 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 above, above, in a complete undefined state. And therefore, we down here, okay, we have Torah and Mitzvah, you know, we were told a few thousand years ago, and we, we have a project. <laughs> How, but we don't feel the urgency of that project. Told there is one Sadiq, who's that Sadiq's neshama is plugged into that desire. And, and therefore, he becomes God's microphone. God's microphone in this world that the Abishter, but the Abishter is not talking from up there through him. The Abishter is present. The Abishter himself is present in his essence. The Abishter's essence is present in the essence of a Rebbe's Neshama. And his words are the words of the Abishter, not his own words. Basically, it's God's words in this world. God's calling, I want Mashiach. I want to finish this already. I want to get the whole world gone. That's what it's the Abishter saying. So those who want to be from, and I'm going to turn it around. It's not, I'm not going to be on the, we're not going to be on the defensive anymore. Chassidim are not going to be on the defensive anymore. It's not, let's turn the whole thing around. It's not, you say, oh, oh that's, that's, that's idolatry. Fakert, who gives you the right 
to take from the Abishter away his desire. He wants to have a home in this world and the only way he will have a home in this world is if his light comes into the world through the neshama of the tzaddik. That's the way it is. That's how it was by Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Just because we have an ego and we have such a sense of self, we can't appreciate that there is someone who is egoless. So the opposite. The opposite. This is the truth. This is the emiss. So will someone have the right to say, I'm too obsessed with the Rebbe? What do you mean I'm too obsessed with the Rebbe? I'm too obsessed with the power that empowers me, with the power that's telling me that's, 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 that's the channel, that's the entire source of my existence, the source of, of, of my, all of my Torah and mitzvahs, the empowerment that's empowering me to express what I was created for and what all of existence was created for. Of course we need to have a Rebbe. That's the idea, that's the depth. depth. Now it's a very deep idea. And it goes much deeper than, 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 than this. It takes a lot, a lot, of, a lot of deep thought. But I'm just giving, just to show people that we are so ignorant when we have complaints. Because we know nothing. We think we know, but we don't know. If you learn 300 hours chasidus, and I'll give you which my marim to learn, and you'll learn it. And then you feel you'll have a day, and then we can argue. But this is the emes. And then you'll also agree. There's no, there's no, there's no question. You see it clearly that a Rebbe is not a person with, a, with an agenda. He has no agenda. The Abishter has fully filled his heart. And God's desire, he's operating from the Abishter's desire. Now, in God's essence, and this is where we're going to bring it back to Pasha's Beshalach and to the staff of Moshe. In the Abishter's essence, because God doesn't need anything, and therefore everything is absolutely meaningless, to the Abishter, everything is absolutely meaningless. So the only things that have meaning are that which he decides to give it meaning. So if the Abishter wants something, that becomes important. How important does it become? It becomes important as God himself is. Because if it's his desire and he wants it, it's him. So therefore, what does the Abishter want? The Abishter wants today, now, this moment of time and space, the Abishter wants your physical body. And he wants you to express him. That's what the Abishter wants. And the Abishter wants that. The Abishter desires every moment of time and space to be expressing some, his, the, who he is. And, he, him, and how? When we take all of Torah and mitzvahs and we apply it to the world, that's when God is being expressed in the physical world. Now until Matan until Mat Torah, this was impossible. Because the spiritual and the physical were not able to be synchronized. The Abishter himself, when he created the physical world, created it in a way that the physical world cannot be hospitable, cannot express God. That's the way the Abishter created the physical world. It can't express. By Matan Torah, Hashem allowed for these two worlds to converge. In order for that to happen, we needed to first purify the physical, which was Golos Mitzrayim. And then came Kriyas Yamsuf. What's the essence of Kriyas Yamsuf? The essence of Kriyas Yamsev is God removing this filter and allowing the two worlds to converge. Now, here is the most important idea, and this is, concludes the whole thing. And that is, since in the essence of God, what's important is the detail, because over here it's not just, ooh, the big, big, big God should be revealed. No, the Abishter should be revealed in every tulip, in every, in every um, butterfly, the Abishter should be revealed in every conversation, in every child, in every baby, 
and every adult and every person, old, young, every crevice of creation in every part of the world in a specific detailed manner. The Abishter's the truth should be revealed in, the, in all the colorfulness of the world. For that reason, and by Kriyas Yamsov, is when the partition was removed and heaven and earth, because the, the, the hidden world of the sea and the world of the dry land represent these two realities, the godly realm and the earthy realm. And the two have to converge. That's why when the Abishter broke open the sea, he didn't break it open in a general way, he broke it open in a specific way, an individual way. Each shavit had to go through in their own passageway. What that, and therefore the Mata needed to have all the individual names of all the Shvatim. And again, because in Atzmos Samahus, in the essence of the Abishter, what's important is the detail. And that's why I was saying, I'm bringing it all, that's the Mata of Moshe. You see that that's the power of Moshe Rabbeinu at the beginning of history. And that's the power of Moshe Rabbeinu, of the Rebbe that comes to the world to complete the work with the coming of Mashiach. So you see that the Rebbe is also the same thing. It's, he cares about every detail, Shebe detail, Shebe detail. If you wrote to the Rebbe, oh, I gave a billion dollars for tzedakah, I gave a big donation, he wasn't impressed. But if you, you wrote to him and you said, every single day you say, Asha Yatsar from a Siddur, whoa, that's, that's huge. Why? Because it has to enter into every moment of your life. Every detail of detail of detail. Every person is important. Everything is important. And that's the power of the tzaddik. Deep inside his heart of hearts, he's driven what's written on Hashem's, on that stick. It's engraved God's name. Yud Kei That's the Abishter. That's the essence. That's beyond, beyond everything. But what else is written? On, on, the, on the stone, the names of the 12 tribes. You know what that means? It means Fivish Finkelstein and Chani Chaimowitz. Their name is also on the staff. That's what it means. It means God because the essence of God is in the essence of everything. And the splitting of the sea means each and every one of us and every detail of us are converging with godliness. And that's through the power of the, of the Moshe Rabbeinu, of the Nasi, that enables that to happen. So when it comes to Yud we chassidim prepare ourselves and deepen our love for life, our love for our purpose and our mission by connecting deeper to the tzaddik. Those who didn't have yet the merit to know the tzaddik, sadly, today's days, it's harder to physically because you couldn't go into a private audience, but the Rebbe's teachings are available in the hundreds of books and letters and so forth. Learn it and inspire yourself. And you will be an inspired human being driven by the drive of completing the work and bringing Mashiach and having it happen in this world now. May we see it now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
Rebbe, 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 Rebb